expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment, oh, to keep my sanity No wisdom rushing in Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. Today I am talking with Danny. Per- I actually don't know how to say your last name. Purrington? Yep, that's right. Okay, awesome. I mean, Danny Purrington. Some, <laughs> some people are like, it's Purrington. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, my, like, my, at my wedding, one of my aunts, my now aunts, came up and was like, oh, no, you say Purrington. That's how you say it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to keep saying Purrington because that's how I've literally said it my whole life. So Right. And also, like, it's literally my last name. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Awesome. Well, it was. it's great having you on the podcast today. I'm very excited. We're, we have some good topics we're going to dive into. Um, but first, I would love for you to just introduce yourself, tell everyone who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I am Danny Purrington. Um, I <laughs> um, I am a, an elopement photographer, photographer educator. I've been doing all the things. I started my photography business officially just like as a big wedding photographer back in 2016 and um, shot my first wedding for $500. It was fantastic. Amazing. And uh, <laughs> from there, I quit my job in about 2018, my full-time corporate job to go full-time with photography, which was awesome and the best thing I ever did. Mm -hmm. Um, I shot big weddings for about, gosh, probably until actually 2020, um, when then I realized I wanted to do elopements. Um, So then I made that switch actually before COVID happened and it worked out strangely weird. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And so I've been shooting elopements ever since. And then I have Rooted, which is my photography educator business. And that started back, we did our first workshop in 2018, went to Moab. And now we've been doing them ever since. We're going to Hawaii in September. And Mm -hmm. so excited because I think, Cassidy, you're coming out with us, right? You're going to model for us. Yes, <laughs> it's gonna be fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been doing this for about six years and it's just been really, really fun. I still love what I do. Um, I have a child. I just gave birth in January. So I have a four month old and navigating, you know, running a business with a baby has been a whole thing. So um it's been good though, and I've been able to kind of take a little bit less work to be able and charge more so that I can be home more, which has been a really fun adjustment. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Awesome. (laughs) Well, I wanted to ask you a few questions just based on like some of the things that are like all about you. So my first, my first thing that I'm wondering is, so you just had a baby and, um, I know like there's a lot of people who struggle just with work-life balance in general, whether or not it's a kid or just like another full-time job or whatever. So how have you managed to balance that? Like, I want time to actually live my life, but also like I need to work. So what are, what is some of your advice on that? Yeah. So this is a loaded question. Um, I learned very early on in my photography, probably in about the first year I went full-time in 2018, I took on like 35 weddings and I learned very quickly at the end of that year that I was very burnt out. I hated photography for a hot sec and was just like, this is not the life I want to live. And so come 2019 um, and also kind of 2020, I also, I kept up that really hard work schedule. And by the end of 2020, when the pandemic was going on, I was like, something really needs to change or this is like not going to work. This is not sustainable. And, um, So Alyssa, who is one of our speakers at Rooted, she talks all about work-life balance and I've learned a lot from her. But basically what she says is, you know, like your life is so 
short when you really think about it. And, yeah. you know, we quit these corporate jobs, if that's what you did, or you decided to go full-time with photography, whatever it is, we quit these jobs to have, you know, quote unquote flexibility and like a life. Right. And here we are yeah. working literally 24 um, seven. Mm-hmm. And that's just not sustainable and you're going to be burnt out really quickly. And so, you know, when the pandemic happened and we were really forced to take a step back and be like, wow, this is actually what it's like to be home. You know, <laughs> like this is what yeah. it's like to not have any work. I was able to kind of really put that together and be like, this is the life I want. And I want to be you know, able to have that life and to have a routine because I was traveling all the time and I just was not home and I had no routine. And it was really hard for me because I, I'm such a routine person. I wake up, I go on my Peloton and then I start work at 12. Like that's my thing. And so I just wasn't having any of that. I wasn't healthy. My body was not healthy. Um, so transition to being pregnant and now having a kid, that's a whole other like ball game, right? Like you now have to sustain a human, you know, especially as women in the industry, like that's, that's a, that's a big role, like as a mom. And, um, I can't be traveling as much. That's just not how it's, that's not going to be what's best for my baby. And Mm -hmm. so when I got pregnant, um, I really had to figure out what that work-life balance was going to be. So to answer your question, (laughs) um, right now I have been able and been blessed to be in a situation where I still, I figured out my finances and I thought, okay, how much do I need to make this year? Figure out what that number is and then figure out what you need to be charging um, with the amount of work that you want to take on. So for me, I said, I don't want to book more than 10, you know, elopements or weddings. Mm -hmm. And if it's a wedding, I want it to be local. Like I, I really am trying to start doing more local stuff. Uh, and then if I do have to travel only going to those like locations that I'm the expert in, not doing anything extra, um, but limiting it to those 10. So really only that's like one wedding a month, I think is what it's come down to. Yeah. And so it's scary because you're like, okay, well now I need to raise my prices to, you know, six, $7,000 to be able to do that, to reach my financial goal. Um, and it's scary, but there are those people that will book it. If they believe in your value, if they believe in you, um, and all you need to do is just book those 10 people. And so I was able to do that this year, which has been incredible. I, I'm not shooting as much, which feels weird, but it's so good. It's so good to be home and to just be able to just like clock out. So the other thing I'll say too, with that is like, I only work probably four to five hours in the day. That's it. Um, and I have to schedule around nap times too. So that's like a huge, huge thing. Um, thing. Not, not your own nap times, by the way. Your, no, no, your no. Not, <laughs> gosh, I wish. Um, I just, I'm not a good napper, but, uh, so yeah, that's been a whole new thing, but I'm only working like four hours out of the day. And I think like we live under this like rule that we have to work eight hours every day, which is not yeah. true. Um, so being able to clock out, being able to have those evenings with my husband, if he's home, He's a firefighter. So some days he's at the station, but Mm -hmm. when he is home being able to clock out and if he is home that day, maybe I take that day off to spend time with him um, because it's so valuable and just like really intentional time that we spend together. And, you know, that's the thing. You have to be able to take those days off too and and to schedule those days, even if you need to. Mm -hmm. Um, So having a set amount of hours, taking on less work if you can. And if you're in that place, um, maybe you've been running your business for a couple years and you can take on less work and charge a little more, um, which is scary, but it works. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then also, you know, being able to schedule out your week, like what do you have to get done this week? Right. Having that to do list and having a set list of things that you're going to schedule out for each day to do, um, not overloading each day with things, but you know, what can you get done in four to five hours? That's really helped me figure out, okay, what's on my list today? I wake up, I know what I need to do. And then when I'm done with those tasks, I clock out and I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess like having done this for six years, the biggest thing with the work-life balance is your life is short. Your time with your people is short and it's such a valuable time to be with them. I mean, you're never mm-hmm. going to be where you are right now with these people that you love and you just never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so it's really important to have time with family, friends, have that support system. And if you're working 24 seven, you're not going to have that, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. And I think that point of just like 
you quit your other job to have flexibility and then we tie ourselves down in the same exact way that our other job tied us down. I think that point really resonates with me. Um, and I feel like because, you know, a lot of people start in like an eight to five job or just like, that's what they're used to when you become your own boss and you're an entrepreneur, it feels like if I'm not working eight to five every day, I'm not, working enough. Like I'm not working hard enough. I'm not getting enough done. And I think this, that mindset that you have of like, this, this is how many things I need to book per year at this price. I have it booked. Okay. Perfect. I I just have to do the work that I normally would do for these 10 weddings. And besides that, I don't have to work anymore. Like if I do the work daily that I need to do for every wedding, that's fine. And some months, like are different than others. So if you have like a wedding every month, or let's say like one month, you have two weddings that might mean like you in April don't have anything to shoot, but in August you have a lot to shoot. So take in your time in April. Don't work as much because in August, you know, you're going to work more. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, there's almost like this, you just feel this guilt of like, Oh, people are going to know that I'm not working. Um, but I do think it's important if you are able to just maintain the clients that you have now, whatever, and then work on marketing and obviously finding other clients and working on like big projects and like ways that you can grow and like challenge your business. I think those are like the three things that really you should focus on with like creating that everyday like task list or planning out your week. Focus on those three things. Once they're done, once you work on them, like check out, you know, like yeah. it's, it's life. You don't have to be answering emails at nine o'clock at night when you're watching TV, like just enjoy your Netflix, you know? And I have to say like probably back in 2019, I turned off my notifications for Gmail and HoneyBook too. It's been the most freeing thing I've ever done in my entire life because now, um, when I log in in the morning or whenever I log into work, that's when I check my email. I'm not getting those notifications that like give me the pit in the stomach. Like, Oh, I need to respond to that person right away. No, like save it for the next day. If you're clocked out, spend, be present with the people you're with. Um, And then the other thing too is I'll say about that, what you said about expanding your business, which is huge. Um, If you take on less work, obviously then you have more time to devote to bigger projects. Um, I will also say hiring people helps a a lot and a huge portion of your time can be devoted to like giving to them. But um, when you have that free time to focus on a bigger project, like maybe creating a passive income online course or guide or presets, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That type of thing is going to give you so much more freedom as well, because you're still going to be able to maybe be compensated for more finances that you need. And then you can even take on even less work too. Right. And it's so, okay, wait, it's so hard for us to say no. Like <laughs> I hear it. Like you get like maybe a dream inquiry that comes in and you're like, ah. Oh, Maybe I could take on one more, but like, really, you're already overbooked. Yeah. So it's okay to say no. And it's okay to like, set that boundary as well. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Cool. Well, I love that little portion. I wasn't planning on asking you any of that, but I'm really glad that I did. Cause I think like hearing the perspective of someone that has struggled with it and, you know, has figured out what's worked for them. I think that's just, it's always valuable hearing things from a different perspective. Cause I can talk as much as I want about work-life balance, but there's always new stuff to learn from other people. So that was awesome. Um, Let's jump into talking about um, one of the topics I want to talk about today is big weddings versus elopements. Um, And this is something that I saw in a recent post and I was like, I really want to ask her about this because I think, I don't know. I'm just, I am a big wedding person. Like that's what I shoot. So I would love to just kind of like pick your brain with a few questions. Um, my first question for you, why did you choose to switch to elopements from big weddings? Oh gosh. I could talk all day about this topic. Um, <laughs> Let's <okay>. go. <laughs> <laughs> so as I said, I shot big weddings for about four years from 2016, eh, 2017 to like 2020. So yeah for about four years. Um, and in California where I live, Southern California, specifically Orange County, there are a lot of like bougie weddings that happen, I guess, if you could say. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the clients that I had no shame to them. I love them all. They're great, fantastic couples, but 
they were focused a lot on details and a lot on like florals and having like this big spectacular day to show off whatever. And in turn, there was like a lot of stress on them. There was a lot of like things that, you know, it wasn't like about them getting married anymore. Like it was about the details. And for me, like my storyteller heart, like my friend, like I'm a friend to them, like literally on their day, I want to be like their hype woman. I get to know these people really well. I want the best for them. And I've just seen the stress of that and just like how it gets lost in that. And for me and my storytelling heart, like it just kind of hurt a little bit. I was like, this is, this is not really what I would wish on anyone. Mm Um, now this goes without saying there were weddings that were fantastic. And there were couples that like did not experience that at all. And they were just excited to party with their people and just have that big celebration. And those were amazing. And I loved that. But more often than not, like I was experiencing that. The other thing too, that kind of made me switch was I love being outdoors. I love hiking. My husband and I love off-roading, camping back in the back country. That's what we do. And going to national parks, you know, like that's our, that's our thing. And when I realized you could combine the two with photography, I was, you know, I, I have such like an eye, I guess, like and a passion for capturing and being inspired by that type of landscape that it made more sense for me to go that route of adventure elopement photography and kind of phase out those big weddings where I wasn't finding enough joy in my work. Yeah. And so the intentionality, the, um, the, the space that we're in, like, you're not limited to a venue, the flexibility of, you know, you have a, you have a timeline, but like if you're late or you want to do something else and take a nap instead or go get lunch is totally doable. Like I've literally done that. We, I did a, it was like a, basically like a sunrise to sunset elopement and we woke up at like 3am. So it was a really early call and we, you know, shot at sunrise. They had their ceremony. Everything was great. We literally went back to our Airbnbs, took a nap for like three hours, got lunch, and then went back out like in the afternoon. And I just love that because like you can really tailor a day to do whatever, like you don't have to do a set thing. And it's, it just makes it kind of more fun. Um, and again, the intentionality behind it, like, I feel like when a couple is on a mountaintop and it's just them, and maybe like their parents or me, sometimes it's literally just me and I sign off on the papers. Like that's just the coolest thing. And they are so, they're more like emotional almost because like they feel really present in the, in the moment. They're not distracted Mm -hmm. by a bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. So eloping is not for everyone. Um, I, I'm not trying to force people to elope. Like I just want people to know there are other ways to get married than like having to do the big wedding and spend $50,000 on a wedding. Like you can have an elopement for like 15,000, maybe at most, you know, and use that money for something else, like building your life. And I just didn't know that when I got married and I wish I would have, I guess, because we had a big wedding and it was great. But I think like knowing that now and like the amount of money we spent, I would have maybe done something different. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It helps to have the perspective of like, this is what I kind of wish I would have done. So I'm going to do that for other people now. Yeah. Um, when you are talking about the difference between the two, I'm interested to know, like, how did you actually make the switch? Like from big weddings to elopements, what were some of the things that you did to switch you over to elopements? Yeah, this is a question I get a lot. Um, and I think the biggest thing honestly, that kind of propelled it forward was believe it or not COVID. (laughs) So I had all these big weddings planned for 2020. Mm -hmm. And, um, in January of 2020 is when I was like, we're switching to elopements. That's what we're doing. Obviously in March, the world shut down and like, no one can have weddings anymore. And so all of my big wedding clients were like, well, we're just going to elope instead. And I was already, I already had my business model in plan. So I basically help couples plan their elopements. I put everything together. Like I location scout, I build timelines, I can officiate, I can do everything. And so that's why my prices are a little higher than like my weddings because I do more work. But anyway, so I was getting all these, you know, brides who were coming to me and saying, Hey, we want to elope, but we don't want to do it at the courthouse. Like, what do we do? And so I'm like here, well, here are some state parks that are open. Like here's a beach we can go to. And like, you know, I'm location scouting and I was able to kind of propel it forward that way. But after the pandemic, how did I upkeep that? Um, basically you have to separate the two. So right now, if you're doing weddings and elopements and people hate when I say this, 
you have to separate them, meaning like you have to have different Instagrams, you have to have different websites, like a subsite for weddings and elopements, because you again, you want to look like the expert. And I use this analogy a lot. It's called the cheesecake factory metaphor. So basically, (laughs) if you and your husband, let's say, like you guys are going out to dinner, you want a really nice Italian restaurant, like homemade pasta, authentic, like you're willing to spend a little more, like more money than you would somewhere else. You're going there because you want the authentic stuff, right? Whereas if you go to Cheesecake Factory, (laughs) they have everything, like they have cheeseburgers, like everything, right? Like, and Mexican food, Italian food, like they have all of it. So like, you're going to Cheesecake Factory because you're going to get like a cheaper price and you can't decide really what you want. And they just are the jack of all trades, right? But it's cheaper. So mm-hmm. when you're willing to go to that authentic place, you're willing to spend more. And so right. if you're offering weddings and elopements, you know, in order to really be compensated for the work that you're doing with elopements, you need to charge a higher price. And right. not everybody's going to do that if they don't feel you're the expert in that space. And so that's why. You really have to separate the two. So I did that. I kind of like phased out my big wedding content and I started posting and marketing more of that elopement work. I totally redid my website to only be elopements because I did not want to do weddings at all anymore. So that's like the photos that you're sharing. They have to be elopement based. The, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the messaging that you're putting out there has to be elopement based. So, you know, you're not sharing bridal party photos. You're not sharing reception photos. You're sharing landscape and outdoor stuff and just the couple and you know let's say you don't have that content you can still use like past weddings and like use their portraits to kind of portray an elopement but yeah um but separating those and really just like honing in on that one market because those two avatars are very different a wedding avatar is very different (laughs) than an eloping avatar um if you don't know what i mean by avatar i mean like ideal client you know they're very different so yeah, that's that's kind of how I did that switch. I really just kind of went full on like all of my marketing, everything I'm putting out into the world is going to look like it's elopement stuff. Okay. And um and then putting out educational content too obviously is a huge part right. cuz not everybody knows about elopements. Yeah, awesome. Well, that literally answered like the next two questions I had, Ooh, which sorry. is absolutely amazing. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, if you you talk and cover it and I'm like, okay, like she's checking <laughs> off the boxes. I love it. Um my last question on this topic, um and you could totally tell me if you don't want to answer this. With film photography being so popular nowadays, I'm very excited to introduce you to our sponsor, Photovision. Photovision is a third generation film lab who scans your rolls of film for you they produce consistent and quality scans and they even offer custom color correction for your scans if you know me i've been getting into film photography lately and i just sent off two rolls of film to photovision they're so easy to work with and you can literally tell that they know what they're doing when it comes to film they even offer film education on their website so it helps newbies like me better understand what the heck they're doing Photovision is family owned, which we love, and their customer service is amazing. They want everyone they work with to feel valued and supported, which honestly, that's how I felt when I've worked with them. Photovision is your film processing experts since 1968, and they have an exclusive offer for Oshoot listeners. Get one free roll of signature process and scans using the code Oshoot at checkout. That's Oshoot with no spaces at checkout, which will also be linked in the description. Go check it out. But um, I'm curious, how did you figure out your pricing? And if you're okay telling us, like, what do you charge for these? And then, like, a side note, like, what do you offer in each package? I know you kind of mentioned it, but kind of just, like, break it down for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, this is a big deal. So, (laughs) number one, (laughs) you need to figure out what you need to be making each year. And I kind of said this earlier when I figured out how much, how many projects I was going to take on. So, Figure out what your expenses are first. What are you covering? And if you're married, you know, my husband and I, he covers the mortgage. I cover a lot of the other expenses Mm -hmm. and vacation costs. Like that's pretty much what I cover. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what, what are you covering with your expenses in your business? Figure out what that is personal and business combine the both, um, figure out what that number is. And then, you know, that's the number you need to make like base to cover your expenses. Now, if you want to be living comfortably, maybe you go over like $20,000 after that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to have a little extra to put away for savings or if you're saving for a house, like you set a savings goal. So you yeah. figure out all of those numbers. This is stuff I go over in like 
uh, mentor sessions and each person has different goals and all that stuff. Right. Figure out what those are financially first. Once you have that number, then you have to account for taxes and then business risk on top of that. So 10% business risk, you know, if something goes wrong, um, and then taxes calculate that. Once you have that number, that is your base number that you need to make in the year. Right. And if you're only doing photography, then photography has to equal that amount. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so for me, um, I don't do a lot of engagement shoots. I don't do a lot of like adventure sessions as much. Most of them are already my eloping clients. So figure out like how much of that chunk is going to be towards your, just your couples and your adventure session people, and then deduct that. And then when it comes to your weddings and elopements, figure out, uh, how many projects you want to take on in the year. So for me, it was 10. So if you do some quick math, let's say you need to do like $90,000 in the year. That's your number base. Uh, Divide that by 10. Well, you then need to be charging $9,000 per wedding. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's a little much to be charging. So then maybe you compensate that with other photography work, but you get the idea. So that's kind of how Mm -hmm. I figure out my base of what I need to be charging. Right now, um, my packages, my eight hour, which is like my most booked for elopements is 73. And okay. that includes, um, that includes the location scouting, which is all time, right? That's, that takes maybe like six hours, six plus hours for me to figure out, um, if it's somewhere I haven't been, if it's one of right. my expert places, I still tailor it to what they're looking for, but I pretty much know where we're going. Um, right. So location scouting, timeline building, again, which is more time that you pour into these couples, um, flying out the day before or two days before to meet with them to have a pre-shoot. My eight hours includes like a pre-shoot before the elopement day, which is fun, gets them comfortable. um, And it's kind of like their engagement shoot, you know, the practice round. But, you know, when they're eloping you're not necessarily living in the same area. So it's harder to meet up for an engagement session. So we just do a pre-shoot. Um, okay. And then uh, the, eight, the eight hours for the elopement obviously is included. And then officiant services. Um, so that's like all a part of the package that I have. Okay. But the base that I needed to make for each was about, I think like 68. And then you add on the pre-shoot, you add on the time, the extra time that you're doing for the location scouting and the officiant and all that. Then it came to 7,300. So I guess like my, my best advice when you're trying to figure out your pricing is figure out what your base needs to be to hit that number that you're trying to make for the year to cover expenses, taxes, all that. And then go from there and then figure out how many projects you want to take on in the year, right? So you have that work-life balance. So for me, it was 10. And then you divide that number that you need to make by the number of projects. And that should be your average that you book uh, per project, essentially. Okay. Awesome. That was Does perfect. that make sense? No, that does make a lot of sense. That's actually <laughs> okay. how I do my pricing too. Good. You know, it, Good. Yeah. It's so hard to explain like on like through words, I almost feel like it'd be easier to just like write it all out. Like, yeah. obviously this is a podcast, so we have to use our words. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it does make sense. Like just starting from what you know you need to make. Um, obviously like, don't forget taxes. That's a huge thing that some people like don't factor in. Um, and I think like something that's hard is that first year of like going from part-time to full-time, you don't really know those numbers yet. Mm-hmm. So if that, if you're listening and you're in that boat, that's kind of where you have to do a little bit of guesstimating and like, like more like vision, like dream casting and being like, okay, I, this is how much I would like to book. Um, yeah. and then you can figure out, okay, like I haven't booked that much and I need to figure out a plan B or I have, and awesome. This is great. Um, so I think that that could be an awkward, um, strategy if you're in that place, but at the same time, like, I don't know. There's always risk with starting a business. So I, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. And your first year, like you're figuring it out too. Like you're figuring out how many projects you want to take on because you yeah. don't know, right. Maybe right. 30 was way too much for you. And yeah. you didn't know that, you know, your first year. So you have to kind of go through it first. And then you look back and you analyze, okay, what was my, what were my expenses realistically? Like what were, what was recorded and then um, applying that to your next year and so on and so forth. Right. 
Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So let's transition to another topic, which is a great topic and you're going to have lots to share on this. Um, I want to talk about reels um, and honestly, just like strategies, all things. So my first question for you is when did you start posting reels and like, have you noticed it making a difference? Yeah. So I, on my Danny Purrington account, um, which actually side note, this goes back to what I was saying. I have, I've like switched. So I have my Danny Purrington Instagram account, which is now turning into more of like an educator personal account. And then I have my Danny Purrington elopements account, which is straight up just my photo work. And I separated the two for, to become the expert and to kind of have that anyways. When I started on my Danny Purrington account back in 2021, when I was still showing, showcasing my photo work on that account, um, I started doing it just to try it. And um, a lot, there wasn't a lot of people doing reels. And so I made, I think, a combination of like good content with trending audio um, and no one was really using reels. And I had a lot that went viral really fast. Um, and I did notice a difference. I probably went up in followers, uh, probably about like 2000 in like a week, which was wild. Like that's never happened to me, um, mm-hmm. organically. And I posted one about Zion. I took a content trip out there just to become the expert in like Southern Utah area. And we went to like Zion and Horseshoe Bend, Moab. We did all that. And so I made a couple of reels just strictly based on Southern Utah. And I booked like three elopements off of that, which was wild. <laughs> like yeah. that's crazy that reels worked that way. Yeah. Um, but I, because I did that and I had so much content to share and I, you know, used that formula of having good audio, um, having good content. And there wasn't a lot of content out there on Southern Utah. Then I was able to have that go farther. And then I booked those elopements off of that, which is wild. So, um, and then I got more inquiries from that too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, reels has definitely made a difference in that regard, as far as like booking wise, whenever I'm talking like to photographers as an educator, I'm like, yes, like views numbers are great. Like like numbers are awesome. But at the end of the day, like, let's look at like, what's really happening with your marketing. Like, is there something to show for what you're doing? Are you getting inquiries? Are they you know, the targeted people that you're trying to reach, are they still those wedding couples that like you don't want to book anymore? Or are you getting more of those elopement clients now? That's kind of how I feel or how I assess if my marketing is working. If the inquiries that are coming in are like the people I'm trying to reach, if they're still Mm -hmm. not that people, then something's wrong. And I'm not, I'm not reaching those people that I need to be. Um, so Yes, Reels has worked. Uh, I started back in 2021, have still done it. Um, my content is kind of both, obviously, from my elopements account, it's more towards the brides. Like, that's who my target audience is with that account. And then my Danny Purrington account is a mixture of like new mom stuff and being an entrepreneur and some photo stuff. Uh, right. That okay. accounts all over the place. But yeah. 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 So, Something that I noticed, we actually just did an interview on Danny's podcast earlier. Um, So I'm referencing something she said then. Um, You mentioned like, well, I guess you kind of just mentioned it now too, but you went viral like when reels were becoming big. Um, And I had a, a few viral videos as well when reels were becoming big. But recently I've noticed because of how many reels are out there now, it just doesn't happen for me anymore. Like I you know, I maybe get like up to like half a million views, but I would never get like, I don't ever get up to like a million, two million anymore. Um, so I guess like my question, or we could just kind of talk about this, like with reels being so saturated now, like what are some things that we can do to continue to grow, but also like it's viral maybe isn't happening anymore. So like, what are some of the things that we can do to stand out um, now? Mm -hmm. Because now reels are like almost not even a way to stand out anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think what we mentioned, like kind of on my podcast is do reels, like still do it, like still post to reels. That's, that's going to be a great thing and use the formula of like good content with, you know, all the good stuff and Mm -hmm. see what sticks. Um, but all of your eggs should not be in one 
basket too. Like to stand out in reels, like you have to think out of the box a lot of the time. Uh, but reels shouldn't be your only strategy too. Like I always say, like you should still be posting carousel photos, like for people that want to connect with you and go and follow you on your account. Right. Um, you should still be using SEO strategies. You should still be doing all these other things like referrals, reaching out to venues, reaching out to other industry professionals who can put you on a referral list. You don't mm-hmm. want all of your inquiries to only be on reels, but to stand out and to get more of that growth, because we know that reels does help you grow. Yeah. Um, my Danny Purrington elopements account is a brand new account. It only has like 6,000 followers or 600 followers. Sorry. It did. And then I posted a reel that was like, uh, it was like probably like five seconds long, which is weird. Cause that was something you said where a lot of the reels that is going viral right now are like very short. It was only like five seconds long. And all it was is like my elopement photos, like to the beat of this song. And it said, change my mind. And eloping somewhere beautiful is better than getting married in a ballroom. That's all it was. And the text was just there the whole time with the photos, you know, going through on the beat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it got like 200,000 views and it's a brand new account. Like there was no followers to help boost it. Like it was brand new. And I think what made it stand out is it was original. It was different. It was shorter. Um, and it was showcasing some of my best work as a photographer. So it wasn't like just one session. It was some of my favorite elopement photos, which are, Mm -hmm. I love those photos, you know, I'm happy to share them. So I think in order to stand out, yes, like follow trends, those are great, but put a spin to it. Like what's something that we can do to make it different, to make it stand out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's really going to honestly make you go farther than if you're copying someone else and doing the exact same thing that everybody else is doing. Uh, I follow a bunch of TikTokers. If you guys know Matt and Abby from TikTok, they're a couple photographer couple. Anyways, I shot them back in Oahu and I was asking them some stuff. I was like, you like, how, how did you get so popular so fast? And And they were like, well, yes, like doing the trends and like being consistent is a huge thing. Like you have to be consistent, but also doing a spin, like changing it up, doing something different with that audio that's still on that trend, but Mm -hmm. with a different perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess like that's one tip that you can do, but also like don't put all of your eggs in one basket too. Like if you really want to be booking and you really want to be successful in your business, you can't just be focusing on Instagram or TikTok. Like you have to be outside of social media as well. Having those connections with other photographers. You know, I have friends that put me on their list if they're booked on a day, you know, um, that's a great way to get more bookings. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's just kind of a side note, but yeah. Yeah, I think like... (laughs) putting all of your eggs in one basket, that's huge. Um, and I think relationship building is another huge thing. Um, just for, I don't know, just photography in general, I've booked so much from just having relationships with people. Um, whether it's photographers, vendors, whoever, um, sometimes you make relationships on Instagram, you know, through reels. Sometimes you don't. So, um, relationship building is so huge. Um, when it comes to like strategy for reels, Um, what are some of those technical strategies that you implement in your reels when you're posting every day? Yeah. Strategies. Okay. So I'm just going to walk through like how I go about creating one or how I get an idea. The first thing is I go on reels. (laughs) I, I watch reels. I go through and I, I look at, you know, what audio they're using, you know, what, what's doing really well. Um, you can also, you can tell if an audio is trending by seeing the little arrow in the corner of the audio. If it's like upward, that means it's trending. So obviously using trending audio is a big deal, but I look at the audio and I try and feel inspired by it. And I think, okay, I guess I start with the audio first to see what's going to inspire me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if it's something that's with a beat, like you want to be showing your images or something that's on the beat or you know, you have a behind the scenes photo and then the beat drops and then you show the results, right? Right. Um, Photos or I mean, reels that have always done really well for me are like posing tips, uh, which is great for photographers who need help with posing and also clients who have, you know, that concern of, I don't know how to be posed. Um, So that's done really well and using again, the beat. So I guess when it comes to strategy, I first look at the audio, I think, okay, 
what can I do to this audio that's number one going to be original but on trend just with a different twist to it maybe um and how can I showcase my best work my best self towards my potential client second also think about a pain point that your people are going through like your potential client what's a huge pain point that they have and if it is posing okay how do we like do that how do we talk about relieving that concern of being posed and that's like a big problem that a lot of couples have mm-hmm. um they don't know how to be posed they they think they're terrible in front of the camera and then you know they see these beautiful photos and they don't know how you get it so show them how right um I don't know. So I guess like you have to, number one, think about pain points, like what's going to resonate with your people. Number two, uh, what's trending and like, what's going to be good content to use as a part of that. And, you know, using the beat and going to the music and something like that. Um, and then lastly, having a hook, something that's going to capture them within the first three seconds, like we were talking about, um, on the rooted podcast, having something at the very beginning, that's going to capture their attention and give them that watch time is going to be something that I think will help that reels perform better. Yeah. And when it comes to your like content creation, what does that look like for you? Like how, how do you create content? Are you batching? Like what, what does Mm. it look like for you? Yeah. Well, I was batching until you came up. (laughs) So (laughs) on the, uh, on the rooted creative podcast, if you guys want to go listen, Cassidy was talking about this topic as well. And she was saying how, Uh, batching actually might not be the best thing if you're using trending audio, because if you film it on a Monday on Friday, it might not be trending anymore. And I never thought about that. So that's really good advice. And I want to replicate. I want to just repeat that real quick. Okay. But um, I was doing batch days. So I, uh, I, you know, I would get ready one day, Um, you know, I have a kid, so it's different now and I don't want to be ready all the time because I'm lazy, but I, uh, (laughs) I would get ready, look really nice. And then I would just sit down and devote like one day to really just kind of having stuff to put in my drafts. Um, and then I like what you also said about being ready every day. So if you do come across a reels, you can just make it real quick and be ready and have a face that's not, you know, (laughs) in sweatpants. Just wearing Um, makeup basically. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, you know, looking decent, uh, And, and, and being able to film that that day as well, but having something to fall back on, I think is a really big deal. So I was previously doing batch days. I don't know if I will be doing that moving forward with trending audio. Yeah. (laughs) I think like there's some audios that you can batch. Um, specifically there's some audios like, um, the ones that you lip sync. I think a lot of those aren't necessarily trending, but they fit your niche. Those are ones that you can batch for sure. Yeah. Um, I was saying, on your podcast, like the ones that I prefer to batch are the talking ones or like anything that has original sound, because that's not something that is like a time sensitive thing. When I film like anything with the trending audio, I get so freaking anxious when it sits in my drafts. Cause I'm like, this could, this could trend. Like I need to post this, but like, sometimes you've already posted that day and it's like, this whole, this whole like mental thing. Game. And it just, yeah, yeah it, it's hard <laughs> to know like wh- when to post what. And so I think like with trending stuff, the sooner you can film it and post it, the better, honestly. Yeah. Um, but like with your content in general, do you have like a calendar or something like for the other content that you post? Yeah. So, um, so this is kind of, I guess weird, but when I'm doing my educator stuff specifically for photographers, like I have a content calendar of what I'm launching that year, um, what projects I'm working on that year and what's going to be released each quarter. And I try and kind of like strategically have content that kind of plays into that a little bit, but, um, not all the time. So when it comes to reels, like I, you know, on a Monday or a Tuesday, like I'll sit down and I'll really figure out like save audios and like come up with ideas to have for reels to be posting. Um, and also with TikTok, I'll do the same thing, but when it comes to calendar and like really strategically planning, I try and plan them around like topics that I'm going to be launching within rooted or, uh, topics that I think are valuable for the time. So like Valentine's day, right? Valentine's day is coming up. So what can we do reels wise? That's going to relate to people with Valentine's day or, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time, like what's going to relate to people with that summertime, you know, thinking of those types of seasons and holidays and things that are coming up that we can kind of plan around might also Mm -hmm. help your strategy, um, for people that are, you know, in that season and looking for new ideas and things, having different pain points. 
Yeah, does that yeah. answer your question? <laughs> no, yeah, it does. It helps to kind of think like, I don't know, because you can post like, I don't know, like there's different times of the year that different things do better. Even like during the summer, I feel like people aren't on social media as much because yeah. they're out doing things because it's nice out. So yeah, like I think sometimes in the summer, this is, this might be controversial for me to say, but I don't think you really need to put that much work into social media during the summer because like, I feel like the off months, like fall, winter, spring, like that's when people are on social media more because they're kind of pent up. Um, you know, do you know what I'm saying? And then yeah. like during the summer yeah. you're out shooting. So I feel like you can almost do the bare minimum during the summer. Well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with what I'm saying, but I am saying it. So <laughs> I don't, I don't really know, but I feel like in like the different months you can be different with your content. Like you're saying. Yeah. I, guess I agree. Kind of yeah. Agree. And like, yeah, like if your content isn't getting great stats, like in the summer, like don't feel bad about it. You know, right. I think yeah. you could, st- I think I would still say like, still create, still do things. Like people are <laughs> yeah. still, especially with elopements, like people book an elopement like two months out from the day they want to get married. And you're like, all right, well, we need to rush here. But oh like, gosh, that stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, you know, it's just like the client, like they're very easygoing and they're like, yeah, you know, whatever two months out, we're getting married. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's, let's buckle down here and get that plan. But you know, I mean, like it's still valuable to, I think be posting, but don't mm-hmm. feel bad if it's not doing as well as you thought it would. If that right. Sense. Exactly. Or even like around the holidays too. Like I feel like during Christmas, Same. it's like yeah. stuff just doesn't do well. And just, just don't post your best content during Christmas. Basically. That's what I'm trying to say. That's like, that's probably good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about this topic is like, just in general, like if you have like one thing that you could say to anyone who is interested in starting reels or struggling with reels, what's like one piece of advice that you would give them? Just try it. Um, <laughs> Amazing. I, <don't> know. <laughs> I mean, just, just try it. And it's, here's the thing. Okay. I'm just going to say this real quick. So if you guys know Dawn Charles, um, she's a photographer. She, they also have a podcast, which is great, but she said, um, that reels does not fit her brand and she's still wildly successful, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think like, if you're really, really stressed out about reels and it's just not something that fits with your brand, don't fret. Like if you're still getting inquiries and your marketing is still doing what it needs to do, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't do it for the sake of trying to be famous, if that makes sense. Like yeah. if, you, if what you're doing is still working, keep doing it, right? Mm-hmm. What we're saying about Reels is it's an opportunity to grow. Um, it's an opportunity to continue to get those inquiries if you don't have those inquiries, right? Like this is an opportunity for you to utilize that tool. But if you are already getting that stuff and you are already wildly successful without having to do reels or TikToks, like it's not necessarily something you need to do. Right. Right. And I just like want to relieve that pressure of like, (laughs) I have to do reels. Like I have to do TikTok. No, if you're already doing well in your business and you're still getting consistent inquiries, like you don't probably need to do it. Um, however, like we said, it's a great opportunity. So if you do need to be, if you do want to experiment with reels and you just don't know where to start, I say just like, try it, just try it out. Um, you know, save an audio that you like and try it and you learn as you go. Like, I remember when I first downloaded TikTok, I was so overwhelmed and I was like, this is not for me. Like I am not, I'm a millennial. Like this is all Gen Z. Like I'm not in the right crowd here. And you know, I was just like, this is not my place. Like I felt very old in that space But the more that I started using the app and actually like seeing how people were using it, I was able to then figure out, okay, well, this is a trend. Let me figure out how then to make that type of video. And then you have to play around with the platform and figure out how to, you know, get like text to show up and disappear. And you learn (laughs) as you go. Right. But I think like just to try it and to start using it um, and see how people are using it is going to help. And then just start with maybe posting like one a week. Like don't make it super hard on yourself. Like where you're posting every day, like that's very overwhelming. Start with one a day or not one a day, one a week. Um, and then like, you know, if it's working and it doesn't have, it's not going to be working right away, but just like start it, but be consistent. Right. I think if you post one and then you wait a month, you're not going to see 
any sort of growth that way, right? When right. using the tool. So I think like be consistent with it, but start with just one a week, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just try it. Um, same with TikTok, honestly, like I think in order, like what you had said earlier, you have to kind of do the market research and see what's working and, and be a user on the app first before you're a creator. Um, because that's going to help you ultimately understand who the audience of that platform is and how you can best be utilizing it. So I hope that gives encouragement to anyone who needed that. So, yes. And there's other ways to like book too. I think like hundred percent. Yeah. With the reels, Really, like you said, it's an opportunity to reach new people. In my opinion, I think that Reels on Instagram right now, it's one of the only ways to reach new people on Instagram um, besides maybe hashtags on your posts. So if you are looking to reach new people on Instagram, Reels are going to be probably the best place for you to do that because Instagram is really only pushing Reels out to new people. Maybe the occasional explore page type of thing uh, with the post. But so if you're wanting to reach new people, definitely use Instagram, but there are tons of other ways to grow your business, like getting in with a venue and getting referrals from a venue and vendors and having great like word of mouth. That's honestly like a much more reliable way of getting clients too. So like it, like you said, if reels aren't your thing, like try other things. Like it, you don't have to get in front of the camera and dance to a song with your camera. Like, you know, like you don't have to put your phone up and just like start dancing. Like, no, you don't have to do that. If like, you don't can feel I, like, can I just say like, I hate doing the dancing reels and I will never do them. And I'm still no. okay on reels. So like, oh yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've ever like shaken anything on reels and I'm completely <laughs> yeah. okay with that. Cause it's just like, I'm horrible. Like I just doesn't work. So no, <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Well, I feel like this episode is going to be really um, helpful for anyone listening. We covered a lot of like good topics. Um, So yeah, I'm very excited for everyone to listen to this. Could you tell everyone where they can find you and find out more about you and your business and stuff? Yeah. So um, like I said, I have a personal Instagram. It's Danny Purrington. If you want to follow my photo work, that's Danny Purrington Elopements. Um, I have a podcast too, and I do some education for anybody who wants more of that. It's just rooted W R K S H P on Instagram. And that's also our website.com. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you want to follow up, we have some fun events coming up. We're going to Hawaii in September, still have some spots and, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much where you can find me. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on today's episode. It was so great talking with you and I hope everyone has an amazing rest of their day. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, PhotoVision, for an exclusive offer on their signature process and scan service using the code OSHU. Check it out in the description. Have a great rest of your day. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment or keep my sanity. No wisdom rushing in. So much clearer now Get in a little bit higher With every step I take I'm getting good Get in a little bit better I'm climbing to the top Never gonna stop I'm getting good, oh